So what I'm going to do is precariously balance my phone on a glass jar in the, one of the rooms in the house where there's tiles on the floor because that's never gone wrong for me before. Well, you, this is the longest you've had a, um, um, a fruit-based named phone without doing the contractual obligation of shattering the screen. Smashing it or losing it. So, uh, we're at home. We're at home. We're at um, what we sometimes refer to. <laughs> I thought you were going to give out our address. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, I, I always know, well, I don't, yeah, sorry. I don't always know what I'm going to say. Um, we're at uh, Cast Iron, what we sometimes refer to as Cast Iron Towers. Uh, you join us. Um, we were doing a recording um, yesterday uh, with a, a, a podcast that will come to you very soon. Uh, about the best time to listen to a podcast. Some people do it uh, on their commutes. Um, some people do it in their morning shave, whatever. Yeah. And um, we happen to... This is the first time we've done this. Uh, we are recording this podcast on a Sunday morning as we prep our um, our breakfast. When you say breakfast. Yeah, no, breakfast. Yeah, no, it's, it's still legitimately breakfast time. And um, we are doing the Brighton sort of, you know... This is, how, this is what I felt before I came to, to live in Brighton. Yeah. Like, like a sun-dappled kitchen and breakfast on a Sunday morning. Uh, and you, that's why there's sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked at you blankly at that point. Um, did, you, did you forget where we lived? No, I was just thinking, is breakfast not the same everywhere? And I was going to make a snarly sort of comment. A, a derisory comment and then I thought no that's a beautiful image Michelle well, what, what's good about that is that you have not made a derisory, uh, derisory comment derisory uh, mm. but you have announced the comment anyway so it's yeah. still out there it's still what I found particularly engaging in a way that I was mulling over at three o'clock in the morning yeah uh was that yesterday during our recording? I needed the loo, and I didn't. I to to uh, uh, announce that to the guest yeah. of the podcast quite at length, whilst yeah. talking about how embarrassing it was that I said, "Oh, I need the loo," and then I'm carried on talking, and then I said, "Oh, I seem to be carrying on," and and that went round for a little while. Yeah, I noticed that. I wanted to say that it was like a a steadily decreasing whirlpool, but I didn't think that would be a helpful metaphor for you to be. No, because I needed a wing. Yeah. And um, so I was thinking about that in three, uh, three in the morning because I thought, well, what's also glorious about that is that I left us recording for the duration of the interview and that was in a moment that won't get on the edit. But also, I'll have to listen to that when yeah. I come to edit and I'm not looking forward to it. It no. might be cute. It might give me some sort of self-esteem boost, but it might also be really traumatic to listen to me fluffing through a embarrassing bit of social anxiety to someone that we've only just met whilst talking about having a wee. We've started in a dark place. It's Sunday. This is my go-to dark oh, place, okay. you know? Sunday's your go-to dark place. Um, no, it's not. It's a lovely day. We went, we've already been out. We Sorry. have already been out. And we celebrate the start of June in Brighton mm-hmm. with the uh, Kemp Town... Carnival, which has come back after a year-long break, 
Um, what you can hit, what you might be able to hear in the background is not uh, cheering and the celebration, but um, uh, the, the frying pan frying. And but, you're, um, you're, you're frying some sausages. I am. Just yes. for context. Yes. Whilst I, I'm eating a vegan yogurt. Yeah. Um, I, but that doesn't have sound effects. No. It except the sound of joy and the harmony in the world and nothing dying. Anyway, so we went to so, Carnival. Uh, we, we don't know that our entire readership, uh, our entire listenership is um, vegan, so we, you know, we don't want to judge too many people who are listening to us. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, yeah we, so the Carnival, which um, was a thing of joy. It was uh, really quite exciting and vibrant, and uh, you, you, we may not be able to hear it, but uh, you got some sounds of samba and stuff oh yeah let me let's let's do that let's um have a listen to the sound of the Kemptown carnival yeah lots of samba bands jazz bands playing on different stages around the streets um there were there was piano players there it was all it was it was how i imagine new orleans okay lovely community way was how many of the cafes and bakeries had not shut up, set up, uh, shut up shop but had blocked their front door with their pavement store all their yeah. items that was oh, lovely yeah no I don't yeah I think no not cynical at all <laughs> just because it was kind of like Notting Hill Carnival yeah. as well where you kind of don't want absolutely every single person in the carnival coming into your shop because it would get overcrowded and a little bit scary sure, yeah but actually if you want to be involved you know you can have your your shop front out on the street oh there was oh it was so good there was street food there were vans there were dancers there was music and the also- sun was out the sea was in the next you know like it was it's one street away from the seafront, so just between every side street, you can just see the sea glistening, boats going past, and the, and the Hell's Angels, of course, yes. on that day as well. Um, I don't see any Hell's Angels. No, there was a, a good amount around, and um, there were not just the um, musicians, etc., but there were like stalls for yeah. local groups and charities and whatever. So that mm-hmm. was a really nice sort of again that sense of community. And we, we saw Andy, who is a presenter on... Latest the, TV. Yeah, the Brighton and Hove Brighton podcast. Of, uh, the, yeah, the, uh, People's Republic, the People's Republic of Brighton and Hove, uh, which had an episode um, 
Gonna every week uh, talking mm. to local people. Um, he he's also involved in a charity called Ambigo. What Ambigo? So it's um, a networking group that brings people together who have great ideas with people that can help them. So basically, if you've got an idea that you want to do something like write a book, set up a business, do a thing, but you're just sort of you don't know where to start or you need someone to help you with very, uh, physical parts of it like um uh i don't know to help get a van or to help uh teach you something or to just point you in the right direction of somewhere you can announce that idea and people just join in helping you out and it's all based on kindness and the fact that you can get a real joy out of helping someone it's got a, a, a collective, a community. Yeah, community. It's all he's very community based, based, and he's he's it's just opening up dialogue and 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 oh, just all the best things about humans, you know. And it's really it really strikes me that it's a sense of leaning into that idea that it's not necessarily what you know, it's who you know, and yeah. so this seems to be a charity that talks about. Well, if you don't know the people that you should know, here are the people that you should know. It's, it's, it's a solution to that problem. Yeah. I mean, it's so positive and it's so nurturing and aspirational and just lovely. Yeah. Yeah. How are your sausages doing? They're doing quite well. Um, they quite... They seem to be quite bubbly. They are. I think that sometimes happens. I've, um, Is that a water? Because I don't eat meat anymore. It's been a while since I've fried up sausages. Um, is that is that a water level thing it, inside it the well meat? It has a lot of the sausage has a lot of water in it. There's no way to say that without a lot of innuendos. I don't know. It's the short answer. Oh. The only answer. Um, we bought a new cookbook recently. We did buy a new cookbook. Uh, Jack Monroe uh, this weekend has uh, published a new cookbook, uh, which if you buy direct from Amazon, it's uh, less than £5. The retail price is a little bit higher than that, but if you buy it direct from Jack Monroe or buy Amazon, then it will be less than five quid. Um, the idea is that it's uh, about tin foods and trying to get past that possible snobbery that your 29 pence can of potatoes or whatever is a lesser way of eating or, or living than yeah. that uh, actually and Jack has got 75 store covered recipes uh, in a tin can we cook and uh, we were that arrived yesterday and we were leaping through that being quite excited by that because you know a good well prepared meal uh, that might cost you 11, 20, 30 pounds that's appropriate. If you've got the money to do that, that that's, that's lovely, that's fine. But if you either don't have the time or you only have, as some of us do, only 75 pence to feed two people and all you can get is a tin of um, black beans, a, a tin of potatoes, that doesn't have to be, that's our dream, that doesn't have to be a, um, a thing that you have to surrender to or make do with it can be something that you can actually have a lovely gorgeous meal with those materials yeah yeah and everywhere it seems to be you know and certainly my thought initially was 
Um, it's not as healthy pinned food, which is such a um, like ingrained thing in our heads. I don't know, in my head certainly that tin food isn't as good for you as fresh food. But um, Jack talks about that, and that there's actually quite a lot of research that states that actually uh, canned food can be just as healthy, if not healthier, because it's canned at source or something. I don't know. I don't want to misrepresent what Jack was saying, but it's um, basically worth reading. And they go into the research of... Um, the pros and cons of canned food versus fresh food um, in a way that's really comprehensive, I think, and has really opened my eyes. Because I've always, I love canned potatoes. Yes. Absolutely prefer them mm-hmm. than real real potatoes. See, that seems wrong. But, you know, like uh, fresh potatoes. Yeah. But there's a whole section in Jack's book all about potatoes, what to do with canned potatoes. I'm very excited. This week, that's going to be a feature of our meals. Minor obsession. Oh yeah. And I say, um, as you'd expect from that politics, um, it's a it's a five quid book. Yeah. Jack is just so inspirational and I remember uh, when I lived in the Canary Islands, which is a great thing and quite a privileged thing to do, but I lived there on uh, <laughs> no money. Uh, in a job where you didn't, which, you know, probably wouldn't exist now, but it, my job was a job that you didn't get paid unless you made sales. Yeah. Um, which sounds a lot more innuendo-led than I mean, but it was it was a job where uh, it was a sales job and, yeah, you, you could work for the whole day without getting paid at all. So I was not... And I'm not very good at, very good at sales, so I, I went hungry quite a lot. And I remember that uh, there were times where I had, you know those packets of pre-dried noodles? Yeah. I, I would break those into quarters so that that would last me for four days. I don't think that was very long. I think that's like an over-dramatised, um, over-dramatic... Um, event in my head that yeah. maybe only lasted for four days of my entire life but in my head that was six months that, that I was at poor but this kind of book from Jack the sort of tin can cook would have been really helpful also I couldn't cook back then I remember a friend teaching me how to boil an egg so that was possibly an aspect of my noodle eating as well interesting in that that's the first time that we have spoken about a cookbook it is. Uh, you know because it's not actually like brighter related or it's not um mm. uh, theater related um but I, I suppose i do work in food writing that's true in a different life yes in a different life <laughs> one of my many lives i mean i think it's still in in your life yeah, so, yeah. it's just a my patchwork fa- career. A facet. A facet. A facet of my patchwork career is, um, yeah, I do a bit of food writing. Food writing. Now, that makes me feel like that, or makes our listeners feel like you get to sort of like go out and sample foods and then talk about them and 
That's oh. some of what I do, yeah. yeah. I love it. I do love food, yeah. Because you write for like, Vegan Life magazine, for mm-hmm. instance. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also have a, a page on the Facebook. There's, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> oh, the patriarchy. <laughs> Just, just as I big up my own achievements, you do something that sounds amazing with brown sauce. Well, I don't think it's been called the Facebook since about 1994. Which is why it's funny. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, that page is called Plant-Based Bright Onion. Because, yes. you know, bright onion. Yes. Bright onion. I like it's play on words. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I no, like no. it. Yeah. Do you think it's... I don't know if it's... Anyway, so I've got that. So you'll see if you search for plant-based bright onion, you'll find my uh, links to my writing on there as well. But yeah, I tend to write about uh, being vegan, mm-hmm. attempting to be vegan, sometimes failing to be vegan, vegan nuts. Um, so before we leave this segment, uh, we'll uh, give it a shout out to, to again that link uh, for your articles. It is plant-based bright onion. Bright onion. And it's uh, only on Facebook at the on moment. Facebook. Yeah. And we'll give another shout out to um, Jack Monroe, Tin Can Cook. which means only one thing. What is that one thing, Michelle? Brighton Fringe. Oh, yeah, the Fringe. Mm, yeah. What uh, did you mean? <laughs> I, I, I have no... I didn't have a gag prepared for that. I no. I set you up and then... And then let me down. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's... Um, that's like a, 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 a John Denver song, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> it can oh set me I up miss and John Denver. You, yeah. So it has been, as you say, the Brighton Fringe, uh, which has been quite fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the For f- us, do you mean, or just the town and the city in general? I would say both. I would say both. Um, it seems very busy this year, which is good. It's good for the arts. Yes, I'm aware that I think that pre-sales were up uh, again uh, yeah. on previous years. That's good. Um, and, and it's not all about the money, but obviously kind of... Definitely, you want people in your audience. It's, an, indi- want... it's an indicator that's going well, isn't it? Do you know what? And also, it is about the money. In as much as it gives you the uh, financial... Wherewithal to go to the following yeah. thing. I mean, that's uh, actually... The... Audiences and money is, I think, a conversation that we won't have on this podcast. No. But I think it's, it's on our list of conversational gambits on future podcasts. There have been... I'm aware... Um, and have been involved in some very, uh, not heated, but um, some really sort of passionate conversations about Fringe, whether that be exclusively the Bright Fringe or Fringe as a concept, um, how 
and how punk that is, what the fringe means, and the idea that the fringe is becoming too corporate and too clean. Um, I can see the fear in that, but I, I, I don't know if it should be... Oh, it's controversial for some people who may be listening. I don't know if it should be feared all that much. Mm. Uh, I think if you want to, if you want your fringe to get more punk, uh, more tatty poster, then arguably you should create your own fringe outside the fringe. Yeah. Um, but that's that's largely a conversation for for another podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, but we, uh, was, this isn't like, this isn't a review thing. No. We're, we're, we're going to be chatting about. Um, uh, uh, some of the shows that we saw, uh, and yeah, we, we, yeah, inevitably we'll voice our opinion about them. But it's not like a our highlights. It's not our, our review. It's not a uh, a critique at all. No, it's just. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just know. I I was thinking. Gosh, there's not much I can add to that because you've hit the nail on the head. Well okay, done. Yes. No. You're absolutely right, it's not that. Um, that would feel weird if we were to review stuff. It's You You have in the past been a reviewer for, <clears throat> and, and possibly in the present and in the future, been a reviewer for uh, certain theatre web, review websites and arts websites and stuff, and that's great, but I, I feel like um, this episode and this podcast isn't about critique of art in that way like why why would why would we do that no it's um it's more about our experience yeah. as audience members yeah the yeah. fun what we had we we saw a, a lot of things uh, this year uh, largely not entirely intentionally but a little bit comedy yeah and sketch comedy yeah and what's interesting i'm that's another podcast that I'll, I could, or just my own, throw away an hour on. I'm fascinated by sketch comedy. I'm fascinated by the um, how sketch comedy works and the design of it. Yeah. And I have some fairly um, immovable opinions about what sketch comedy is. Yeah. About what it, um, what it should be, how how it works. Is that because you you did some sort of learning on that? You no, know, no, were you, no. Were you taught that at uni? Because I know you did stand-up outside of uni. No, I, I'd written a sketch for Fringe. I'd been involved in a sketch group uh, for a Fringe a few years back and I I got away with it. Um, yeah. I don't know how... Some of the sketches were good. I mean, as writers of the comedy will appreciate... Some of the gags that I believe were my weakest gags, I was just hacking something out, were audience favourites, huh. and um, vice versa. So, um, oh, I'm sorry. So you've got a good... Because um, I know you love sketch anyway, you watch a lot of sketch um, comedy, and you have experience of stand-up, which I know is different, but, you know, comedy... Yeah. Comedy uh, experience. Yes. So... Um, you were saying there's sort of sketch is tricky because there's, there's only like so, there's how you feel there's only that arguably there's set ways to do it. So were you in, were you sort of interested in watching 
sketch comedy this year and, and kind of seeing if it had moved on or changed or if they were able to do something exciting. While any rule can be broken and any um, design for a, to have a story, because what sketches are, they're stories, you can, ex- uh, you can manipulate that to your own ruling. Um, I think sketches are arguably the most unforgiving of live art forms or, or in, in any sort of art form. Um, stand up, um, I, I'd always argue that uh, any good stand up can get away with um, even four minutes of stand on stage without actually telling a joke mm. as long as they're charming and engaging. Yeah. Um, and so, as long as you're, you know, you're, you are, have invited the audience into your world, you've got a bit of. You've got a bit of um, freedom from the audience before you actually have to deliver a joke. Um, equally with a novel or a book, um, you you can manipulate the rules, you can manipulate the audience, uh, you can be an unreliable uh, narrator. Uh, and there are freedoms within every sort of art form. With sketches, arguably, you have one job. You have to be funny within three minutes and get out. Now, yeah. there, are, there are sketches that are longer than that where they are not quite comedy plays mm. they are definitely sketches but yeah i think that there's much more unforgiving arena in sketch comedy be funny be very funny do the job get out and it's it you, you uh you can fail quite spectacularly on that yeah i don't know there's something about sketch that i always thought was a little bit mean but then um i've gotten into sketch a little bit more over the years so it's got like Foil arms and hog and also casual violence. Um, but yeah, I suppose I also do like um, Armstrong Miller off back in the day. And Back in the day, I'm sure they'll be delighted with that. But I did like Armstrong Miller and um, Mitchell and Webb. Well, you talk about back in the day. Huh? And French and Saunders. Yeah. But yeah, sketch is odd because it doesn't, it's like, it's not a, I like a narrative, like a long narrative. <laughs> yeah. You talk about um, back in the day, I know that you know, people like Kevin Eldon from um, Big Train, um, oh, yeah. when people shout out Big Train to him, mm. he, he, he might sort of go, oh, that was 20 years ago, come on, mm. I'm, I've done stuff since. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, narrative is interesting. I think that I have seen some really, not this year, um, this is, uh, <laughs> This is a negative point, so I should point out, because it sounds like it's starting positive. Um, what I've often seen is sketches that will delay their gag for three minutes and deliver the gag. So what you have is three minutes of the narrative spinning wheels, mm. or they'll deliver their gag in the first second and then repeat it for three minutes. Yeah. Which, they both can be clever sketches, but that can't be the, the norm. Yeah. Or indeed the form. Um, so what what did you see this year and what did you sort of, what did you like what struck you this year so here's the thing uh, I'm a bad sketch viewer I have all these <laughs> opinions about sketch but um, I have sketch I have post show amnesia mm. so I can come out of a show and go oh that was brilliant and you or anybody else could go oh what, what was your favourite bits and I'll go I have, I have no idea yeah. I have no idea the bit when they were on stage um, <laughs> so one of the things I saw was um, Cinebra uh, who had who had Two shows at the Air Fringe this year. Uh, one of them about the... And I've been meaning to see them for years. So they've had a show for a couple of years about the history of horror. And that was on at the Rialto. Mm-hmm. And the other one was at the um, the Bosco, at the Spiegel Tent. Uh, now, 
arguably this isn't strictly um, sketch. Uh, it's more cabaret, but often cabaret shows are literally that. They'll have a, they'll be into a uh, and a scene, another scene, and uh, quite a short scenes. So mm. you can definitely argue that this is under the sketch umbrella because uh, the conceit of um, Cinebra, Glenda and Rita, which is the new show that was at the Bosco, is that they are two um, silver age actresses uh, mm. who, um, who you definitely will remember uh, as they are at pains to remind us at various points throughout the, um, <laughs> the show uh, from their great, wonderful moments. And there's a bit of um, whatever happened to Mary... Not whatever happened to Mary Jane. That that's a, like a spin-off from a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, uh, what, <laughs> Mary Sue. Not even Mary Sue, uh, because that's a spin-off from a, a gender uh, politics uh, oh, lecture. Whatever happened to Mary Sue? I like. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Baby Jane. Uh, whatever happened to Baby <laughs> Jane? So um, there's that vibe, and gloriously they are painted uh, literally in um, monochrome. So they will appear before us uh, as um, quite literally two black and white actresses. Um, yeah, yeah, so they're, they're all, like, uh, grey skins yes. and kind Still, of... Yes, like, silver tones, yeah. It's amazing, I love that. Because they're, they're quite striking. I remember them handing out flyers at one point, um, maybe last year, a year before, something, that, that you just sort of go, oh, oh, this, over there has gone black and white. And they just, it looks, for, uh, maybe it's just my mind, but it looks so real that they're sort of... I'm, I've not really seen that very much. You know, in the, where you had that full body painting. I spent rather too much of the hour panicking about how long it must have taken them to get ready for that one hour. And if they need, like in Goldfinger, if they need like a, a, a little millimetre of their body not painted, otherwise they'll suffocate, or if that's a myth. I think that's a myth, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to... Yeah. Um, although they they repeat the myth in a Daniel Craig um, movie, uh, but they... They have drowned her in petrol, so oh, that's, that, probably that's more likely to, yeah. 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 So what else did you see? Um, <coughs> or were you, were you, do you want to tell us more about that? Well, I, this is what I was going to say, that um, I, it was glorious, it was a glorious hour, really fun, they commanded the audience, and I'm aware it was a bit of a, a blur of the lines of what's sketch and what's co- um, cabaret, mm. but... They are absolutely perfect for the Spiegel tent. It feels like the sort of thing you mm. should be seeing in the Spiegel tent. Um, you sometimes see acts like that. You go, oh, that, that would be great as cabaret hosts. Yes. Um, but, but actually they command the entire hour on their own. And the sketches, such as they are, are um, often clips from the movies that they have been in. And mm. so you'll see bits of uh, their wonderful Silver Age films. It's like Cinebra was just um, great. Yeah. So uh, we also saw Birds, um, which is a duo. A, a duo, yes, uh, with their show Pluck. Yeah, and that was, I, I really enjoyed that. It's like proper, definitely sketch comedy, lots of sort of neat transitions between one sketch and the other. And um, I just, again, it's that, that post-show amnesia thing where I, I couldn't tell you what went on, but I loved it. I was, I was just spent the whole time giggling. Yeah, and it also uh, with Birds and many other shows that we saw, 
the one the gags that we will remember. We'll go, oh, that was a great bit. We we wouldn't necessarily want to say what they were for fear of giving away what the joke was. Oh god, yeah, that'd be awful. So um, I saw a lot of um, stand up yeah. this time because I I know less about stand up and I really wanted to go see some just to get a sense of it. Um, I do know a lot, you know, I know enough about stand-up, and <laughs> you know, it's the basics, but I was just really interested in um, what uh, modern sort of, modern stand-up is, like, like you know, uh, stand-up for this era. I wanted to see what people were talking about. Yeah. I thought that would be fun, so I wasn't disappointed with that as well because I saw I'm not going to go into each one that I saw but I saw a range of about 10 stand-ups throughout the month um, which just I just find it really fascinating the different forms of stand-up that you can have you can have like almost straight like clowning um, a sketchy sort of thing with just one person or storytelling as I say, I don't know all the terms, like I'm learning. Yeah. And you teach me a lot because of from your uh, stand-up background as well. But, yeah, I've just found it really fascinating to look into what is funny, how a joke works, how a joke maybe doesn't work, how much input the audience has and how much a room, like the physicality of a room, how big the room is, um, the layout of the room and the amount of audience that you get in and maybe want in. Or, or don't want in can affect everything if it's too hot too cold physically if the the atmosphere is too hot and too cold in terms of the reception of the audience I just find it fascinating that whole idea of how to land a gag and how much of that is to do with you as a performer and all the work that you put in and how much of that is actually reliant on the audience there is definitely a, a line in stand-up circles I, I'm sounding like that I'm part of an inner sanctum um, there is definitely a line in stand-up circles that say you, you don't blame the audience for your duff gig yeah uh, that, that seems fair that if the gags aren't landing that's more on you than the audience the audience can't be blamed huh. and that's the general rule yeah I'm still not convinced I buy that I think sometimes you can blame the audience. Sorry, audience. Um, <laughs> but I think sometimes collectively, like on certain sketches that we saw, that we were uh, going back to sketches briefly, um, I personally tend to like formats of sketch shows where the audience are, have enjoyed it so much that each individual sketch gets a spontaneous round of applause. Mm. Uh, I, I, I think that's quite neat, quite, quite, quite cute. Of course, the key there is being spontaneous. And if the first sketch, for instance, hasn't got a round of applause, mm. naturally, then the second one won't, and the third one won't. And that's that's a collective decision from the audience, however good the sketches are. And you can imagine that the, the performers are going, oh, tough crowd tonight. But then, yeah, but then I didn't know that was the, the etiquette, or if it was the etiquette. Well, it may not be, that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, because I... I I remember you saying after one show, oh, it would have been, you know, kind of nice if the audience had clapped in between each one because they definitely enjoyed it, but um, they didn't seem, like, up for clapping. And, it, and, I think, and I was like, oh, but, oh, I didn't know you were allowed. Yeah. And I think there is that. Of, yes. I mean, I'm sure people have seen more comedy than I have live. Um, but, yeah, I think there is 
never underestimate the shyness of an audience that they might quite be loving it. And that's, I guess, the point, or rather part of the point, in that that's not a collective responsibility from the audience, but if they've decided to be a bit shy at the first part of the show, then that's going to encourage or discourage the audience for the further part of the show. Mm-hmm. So, um, what else What 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 else do you want to talk about in terms of what we've seen and what, what, what was good? Oh, it's so hard not to sound like a review. Well, it is. And also because we're, we are consciously going to... Cause here's the thing, because uh, we won't spend too much time chatting about this, but that means that each of these shows that we talk about deserve an hour's chat on their yeah, own. And right. that involves unpicking them. And so there'll be really great shows that we might only give a line to, literally, or oh, we saw it. And so yeah. that, that's it. And that's, you know, hopefully we can occasionally, with our dulcet tones, make you feel relaxed and happy. That we see. Is this a good enough shipping forecast voice? I like your yeah, shipping yeah. forecast voice. But occasionally you also might demand a bit more in depth. We went to the show and it was good. That's much more Washington Post level of yeah. yeah but yeah. we are going to we are going to um, not fall between two stools. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, I've spoken about birds uh, with their show Pluck, which was uh, great, and um, some really nice uh, neat wordplay. Uh, also, Avery theme sketch groups seem to be the thing today because it was uh, this month. Because Toucan, I also enjoyed yeah. uh, at the uh, Caxton Arms, mm-hmm. um, and they had again a two uh, a two hand sketch um, show with some really lovely repeated gags, and again one of those things where oh here's my favourite sketch, I can't tell you anything about what it is because it's. Quite timely, I think. It's one of the first sketches I've seen that has addressed a certain thing. Yeah. And uh, so it's quite current of them them now. And so that was really enjoyable to watch about, uh, like, a spell being broken. Of going, oh, we can be funny about this thing. Yeah. We also saw Haunted. Ah, yes. Which, again, is a sketch. Yeah. Um, But more about, again, a relationship between us and the audience and those two, again, uh, a two-four. a twofer, I have no idea. What's that? <laughs> Basically, there are two of them on the stage. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that term. No, I think I just invented it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and. Yeah, two of them. Uh, sketchy. But here's the thing, I guess, with that is that there was a connected thing. Yeah. Like sketches. That. Yeah. Which was, well, I guess, suggested by the title. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, that was nice. I like this. That was. Not that the others weren't at all. Again, it's so difficult not to sound like a review rather than just going, I liked. But yeah, I I liked that they were so surreal. I love her humour anyway. I say her because uh, I we know uh, Jane Pottleswaite and that indeed we've um, interviewed her on the podcast yes, we have. in the past, a couple of years ago or a year or so ago. Um, so uh, Jane was one of the... the duo um the other the other person whose name i've absolutely forgotten at this point in time so andrew's gonna have a look but yeah i love jane's real surreal sort of what's that word for like spooky spookiness Um, yes surreal or whatever um uh like gothic horror kind of sensibilities with a sort of like all but still being quite 
uh, every day and homely and sort of pulling on the sort of northern roots as well. That's definitely that Cumbrian conceit is definitely part of it. Um, for Cumbrian ha- conceit, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so with Air, um, Haunted, with uh, Jane Possifwaite. And, and, and is it um, that you found, what, what's the name of the other lady? Sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Steph Bradshaw. Oh, of course, Steph Bradshaw. She does, they do a podcast together they do. as well, Made in Made Cumbria. Made in Cumbria. Yeah. And what interview you were talking about, the uh, the nice surreality. That also is may that not be a word. word. That may not be a word. But it is now. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. Delivered by the idea it was about haunted and hauntings. Yeah. Um, in storytelling terms, that gives you a, a kickstart mm. in a positive way. Sometimes sketches can start in a clunky way where the audience goes, oh, I know where this is going to go. Yeah. Because uh, they've they got to the ending before you have. Whereas if that's part of the makeup of the sketch, of this, this is about ghosts, it's about um, mm. surreality. There we go. Mm. Um, that allows you to get to the storytelling and the jokes much quicker because yeah. you, you've done the heavy spade work for the audience. Yeah, that was lovely. Yeah. That was lovely. I re- yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, we saw so much other stuff. We did. We're not going to be able to. We're talk not going to talk about all of them, are we? So any. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna force you into giving me your opinion about no this is how we're gonna do it so you get a chance to mention something else or a collection of something else but i then want you to do a roundup of what the sense of fringe was for you this year your experience of fringe what did you get out of it all the horror on your face like like the feeling of fringe this year for you so but 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 talking about <clears throat> any others that you'd like to mention? Because I know that we, we've seen about 20, 25, 30-odd shows. So how what would you like to chat about mostly? I think one thing that will be um, spoken about most this year are two new venues that aren't really two new venues. Um, they are the Warren, which uh, moved down the road, a bit closer to the sea. Uh, if it goes on its current trajectory in uh, eight years' time, we'll be in the sea. <laughs> um, but... Um, the Warren, uh, I got the impression that it had a bit more elbow room this year. Cause mm. It's moved down uh, or up, depending on which way your geography works, the old scene. <laughs> and yeah. it felt like it, uh, I, I, I'm sure, as we discussed with, with people, that there'll be people who won't even notice them once they're in the, uh, the Warren. Uh, yeah. They'll go, oh, what's the difference? Um, but it did feel like there was a bit more breathing space. Um, it felt like the... Venue, the um, the performance spaces within the venue uh, were really well spaced out. Yeah, so I enjoyed yeah. being at the one this year. And um, again, in the sense of venues, new venues that aren't really venues, uh, Junkyard had a, a new space this year. Oh, yeah. Um, at the Bright Helm. Yeah. Um, which I couldn't even tell you actually how many performance venues that had within it. Was it four yeah. or three? Was it three yeah, we, we went to a few different ones and I'm now struggling because they all had great names as well, like the Dog House and the Kennel. The kennel. I, I, I love a themed name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but we went to, they've got a few rooms within the, within that uh, within that space. It was lovely and nice cafe as well. Oh, I love a cafe. Uh, but yeah. And I guess then, because I've now worked out what my answer to your question is, I guess, uh, although that sort of almost answers a different question than the one you asked, 
that it's once again it just feels like the fringe is you know moving on it's always growing yeah, it doesn't seem any mean growing bigger mm. but it's it's changing it's evolving so there's always time for the next generation to to catch up mm. it's not that it's going to leave you behind and that we were speaking at the start of this podcast about that we were worried that we might be speaking a lot about people that we knew and it'd be like a like a, a closed shop yeah i know that that can be how it feels or seems like to people but actually it's a train that's chugging along and while there are conversations to be had about finance and access to venues and stuff um it's not apart from that privilege it's not a a closed shop there are conversations to be had there i know that collaboration has been a big conversation Mm. this year and that's that's really vital that there are ways that artists within Brighton don't have to be in competition or in conflict with one another, mm. that, that they can... Uh, going back to what we were speaking before the break about um, the charity, that there's a way to sort of really work with each other and for each other and f- get something out of somebody else while providing them something that you have that they don't have. Yeah. You, uh, we haven't had very much of a chance to um, chat about stuff that you have seen in the fringe and enjoyed. What, what sort of, what kicks have you got? Oh, oh, I've just, I've just uh, in that fringe amnesia way, just <laughs> I, I saw lots of stand up that I really loved. I, um, it was great seeing work from people we know as well. Um, and how they develop as artists, how they are developing as artists, um, and just being, just knowing, I, you know, it is really, it sounds really uh, pally and matey and exclusive, cliquey. That's what I mean. It sounds really cliquey, but actually, I, I think it is a very open artistic environment in Brighton, and and there is a real welcome for lots of different type of types of artists. So when a festival like Brighton Fringe is on our doorstep, it's so great to see local artists putting their work on and sharing a platform with artists that are touring the country, bigger names, fresher names, all of these things. It's just, I, I love it. So yeah, um, for me, like the feel of the feel of the fringe so for me the what i've gotten out of brighton fringe this year has been um just an absolute for me it's so visual that i'm struggling to explain it but it's something about the big top circus cabaret marvelousness of art that I think I haven't really experienced before. And it's been around, all of that, obviously, since the 1930s, since way before that as well. But I've really taken a step back this year to, like, think about the sort of colour palette of Brighton Fringe or just Fringe in general or art in general and just gone, God, I love that sort of Victoriana-esque or 1930s-esque burlesque circusy vibe and I think it's so it's places like um Spiegel Tent just do that 
I mean, that's what they are, I suppose. It's what they do. But I just love it, and I want more of that in my life. In the same way, and Carnival yesterday did it, did it in the same way. That kind of real vibrant party atmosphere. I don't know, I think I've just run away with the circus this year. <laughs> and which, I love it. Which is interesting, because this sounds like I'm... Um, this might sound like I'm pouring water on that, but in terms of percentage of how much of that sort of stuff you saw this year compared to what we saw this year, that's probably less than 20, even 50% yeah. of what you saw. But that's what's hung with you. That's what stayed with me because we did go to see a circus show. Um, and I think I've spent a lot more time this year out in the sort of bar areas and the... I've been having a bit of a party this month, which is great. But yeah, I feel like I've spent a lot more time sort of in the melee, is that word? In the bustle of it yeah. all. Um, and that, and yeah, that is very circusy, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I think that vibe of frivolity and fun is really important. So yeah. And there's elements of all the stand-ups all had a sort of... I think every stand-up that I saw had bits of surrealness and bits of clowning. I suppose stand-up is really, when you look at it, clowning. Yeah. You know, so that all it's all part of that big circus. The circus that is art. Yeah. And I love it. And it, it, it goes on. Um, mm. As I say, we've, we have spoken about four percent of the stuff that we would want to talk about and about one percent of the stuff that we could have talked about yes. um yeah. and i feel mildly guilty that we're we're not going to give out shout outs to certain groups but not that guilty because literally the of the the physics constraint of time yeah and space the physics constraint of time is the title of your next hour yeah but what's interesting in the sense of what you're talking about moments and excitement and what happens next is that so many of the groups that we have that we happen to personally know mm. or create that we happen to personally know and we haven't mentioned the shows of um that we saw that they they're already moving to onto it's not the next thing mm. but the next <clears throat> performance of their thing yeah. you know Camden is coming up uh, Prague, is, Prague happening. is happening if not um, finished by the time we get this on there um, Guildford is coming up and of mm-hmm. course Edinburgh is coming up so they're and I, 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 I didn't mention Reading because I couldn't remember if there were shows that were in Brighton that were or were not moving to Reading so I consciously didn't mention Reading um, but uh, I think it's going everywhere really isn't it yeah yeah. yeah. so it's just a year long carnival yeah That was Brighton Fringe. That was May. Yeah, and obviously talking about the all those people going on into the future. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the future. Our next episode. Oh, yes. We are going to be talking to Alan Byrne about his podcast and his short film. 
Yes, because he's a storyteller based in Brighton. Uh, as you say, with uh, the Broken Pieces podcast. Uh, and yeah, talking about story and how to come up with narrative and what sort of stories stalk us in the middle of the night. Mm. And his journey into storytelling and, and creativity. Really lovely chat. Yeah. In multiple locations around Brighton. We went around Brighton. Yeah, yeah. we did. And uh, by the way, thanks for those of you who have uh, getting in touch because we asked for questions and, and stuff about what we should chat about in our upcoming uh, podcasts. And uh, we've, we've got a list of questions to work through. We have. And um, that, that's exciting and overwhelming. And we will be uh, working through those questions uh, in subsequent podcasts. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's really lovely to hear. Um, it's sometimes um, overwhelming to hear it face to face. I mean, so when people email you and go, oh, love the podcast and I like this bit, that, that's great and lovely and thank you for that and please continue to do that and subscribe to us, etc., etc. <laughs> um, but um, it, it can also be quite interesting when somebody says those same things to you when they meet you in the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which has happened. Yeah. Um, oh, but- and I also, we should mention that we're, we're about to announce the, by, by the time this has been released, I, I would have thought we would have announced our winners for the Cast Iron Shorts Sanctuary competition. The live story reading night on the 25th of June. Uh, at Mojo's Coffee House in the Lewis Road, Brighton. Yeah, um, and there's uh, we'll leave a link for that Please, in yeah, our yeah. show notes. Um, so yeah, that's our our episode done. I think. Should yeah. we uh, listen to a little bit of uh, more music from the Kemp Town Carnival? Yeah, let's do that. Bye. Bye. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donkin. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and our website, castironbrighton.weebly.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening.